On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held its quarterly earnings call for the third quarter, and as usual, I've got all of the highlights from Elon Musk and the Tesla executive team, plus a recap and analysis of the event and the most notable excerpts from the shareholder letter. Stay tuned. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you. As always, alongside Daisy the Boxer, it is the October 23rd episode of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast, episode number 377. Today, I am covering off on the Q3 2022 shareholder letter and earnings call. Took place earlier this week in Austin, Texas. And before I get started, I will say that by the time most of you hear this, TeslaCon Florida will be over and I'll be on my way back home, so I'll tell you all about it next week. And hopefully I will have had the pleasure of meeting a number of you face to face. Also, if you are with me on Patreon supporting me there, this week's lightning round bonus mini episode was a follow-up to last week's. That Last week I did my top five car companies that I think will survive past 2035 when California and New York State ban the sale of new internal combustion engine vehicles. So this week I did my top five car companies that I think might not survive. Check that out on my Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right, let's start with the shareholder letter and then I will get into the highlight clips and analysis from the earnings call. So here's the opening summary from the shareholder letter, which is sent out two hours before, or excuse me, one hour before the earnings call hits. So everybody has a chance to review that prior to the call. Tesla saying the third quarter of 2022 was another strong quarter with record revenue, operating profit, and free cash flow. In the last 12 months, our free cash flow exceeded $8.9 billion. Our operating margin reached 17.2% in Q3. We achieved an industry-leading operating margin while encountering material headwinds year over year. Raw material cost inflation impacted our profitability, along with ramp inefficiencies from Gigafactory Berlin, Gigafactory Texas, and 4680 cell production. Also, The U.S. dollar continued to strengthen compared to all other major currencies in our markets. Additionally, we are reaching such significant delivery volumes in the final weeks of each quarter that transportation capacity is becoming expensive and difficult to secure. As a result, we began transitioning to a smoother delivery pace, leading to more vehicles in transit at the end of the quarter. We expect that smoothing our outbound logistics throughout the quarter will improve cost per vehicle. We remain focused on increasing vehicle production as quickly as possible by increasing our weekly build rate in Fremont and Shanghai and progressing steadily through the production ramps in Berlin and Texas. Logistics volatility and supply chain bottlenecks remain immediate challenges, although improving. We continue to believe that battery supply chain constraints will be the main limiting factor to EV market growth in the medium and long terms. Despite these challenges, we expect to continue to deliver every vehicle produced while maintaining strong operating margins. Well, nothing you haven't already heard before in this summary, right? But 
How about that free cash flow number? That is extraordinarily impressive. Almost $9 billion of free cash flow and the industry leading margin. I bring that up because if you've been following along with Tesla for a while, you may remember it wasn't that long ago and it's certainly, it's tailed off a little over the years. I mean, it was loudest in the early Model S days and it's it's gotten a little quieter over time, but it's certainly never gone away. And that is, remember when all of the chatter used to be about, well, wait until the legacy car companies who are experts in manufacturing and have been doing it for a hundred years, wait till they start making EVs. Well, those companies are certainly still capable of making good EVs and I'm sure doing so at some kind of profit, but Tesla's gotten pretty darn good at it, financially speaking. Industry-leading margins. Tesla deserves to take a well-earned victory lap on that one. All right, elsewhere in the shareholder letter, in the section, one of my favorite sections, vehicle capacity. Uh, and I'll explain why uh, I love this section, because sometimes you get little nuggets of updates on upcoming cars. So under vehicle capacity, they write, in Q3, each of our vehicle factories produced a record number of vehicles. While availability of components posed less of an issue in the quarter, vehicle transportation capacity during peak delivery periods became increasingly challenging. We are gradually shifting towards a more even regional mix of both production and deliveries. And then, so that's not the fun part. The fun part is when they go location by location. And I just want to read you the United States one here, which covers Texas, California, and Nevada. They say, we continue to implement solutions to further increase the production rate in Fremont. The production rate of Model Ys made in Texas continued to increase in each month of the quarter. The total number of 4680 cells produced increased three times, sequentially 3x, sequentially in Q3. The initial phase of Tesla semi deliveries is scheduled to begin in December of 2022. Um, we'll hear more about the production rate of Model Y in Texas on the earnings call itself in a few minutes. But in the meantime, great news about the 4680 cell output tripling as well. And we already talked about those initial deliveries of the Tesla Semi that are gonna be handed over to Pepsi last week. So for now, let's move on. In fact, just a little bit further down in the shareholder letter. I always like looking at the installed annual vehicle capacity chart that's in each quarter's shareholder letter. Not so much for the production capacity number itself, honestly, but for the far right column, which is the status of the upcoming vehicles. So they break it down by region. In California, you've got S and X, the capacity, 100,000. We know that three and Y, with same number as before, 550,000 in California. Shanghai, same thing there for now, three and Y, capacity is greater than 750,000. Berlin, Model Y, greater than 250,000. Texas, Model Y, greater than 250,000. But then under Texas, we have a listing for Cybertruck. And instead of saying in development, the status now reads tooling. And also Nevada now lists Tesla Semi and the status there, early production. TBD, we still have Roadster listed as in development. And we have RoboTaxi and others listed as 
in development. So the Tesla Semi being attributed to Nevada, that confirms something we suspected, something that had been suggested, but now we know for sure the Tesla Semi will be produced in Giga Nevada, not in Fremont, not in Texas, where there is certainly plenty of space in the latter there in Austin. So that's interesting. And of course, the uh, the change to early production, we know from the Elon Musk tweet I talked about last week that that is aiming for that December 1st delivery handover to Pepsi. We'll hear more about that coming up in the earnings call. And then the big one that most of you care about, the Cybertruck changing to tooling. These are exciting updates. They really are. I mean, I know it seems like the littlest of things, but at least to me, literally any forward progress on that chart for the upcoming vehicles is better than in development, which is what has been listed next to Cybertruck for every single quarter since Q4 2019 when the Cybertruck was first announced. To wit, the new Roadster still shows in development. And in fact, uh, pessimistically, I'm almost starting to wonder if that's even true. I mean, I, I'm being I'm being sort of silly here. It's true, but I almost, you know, another earnings call goes by with no Roadster update, no, no mention of the, this was the only mention of the Roadster in the entire shareholder letter or earnings call. It didn't come up once at all on the earnings call. Uh, and it's just, just in this one little place in the shareholder letter. So in development, it's like, is, is that really true? Is it in development? Are they working on it? Is it really an active development? I'm sure it really is. Work goes on quietly behind the scenes, but I digress. And then finally, the RoboTaxi and others also showing in development. Stay tuned for more about what the and others means later on in the earnings call when I get to that recap. Next up in the shareholder letter, a quick fascinating bit of material science and engineering in the core technology section of the shareholder letter under battery, powertrain, and manufacturing. It reads, quote, at Gigafactory Texas, we have begun production of Model Ys since early this year that use front and rear body castings in conjunction with a structural battery pack. Castings of this size have never been mass produced before in any industry by anyone except Tesla in our Fremont and Shanghai factories. Part of the challenge of making such large castings, thus eliminating over 170 separate components, is that all the aluminum needs to be injected into a die in about one-tenth of a blink of an eye through a single point of entry without solidifying or distorting. We plan to introduce front castings and structural battery packs at Gigafactory Berlin before the end of this year. I just thought that little factoid about the single piece Giga castings was cool. That 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 it's made I mean that sounds like alien technology to me. I mean that's crazy to do that at at that kind of scale. It's one thing to do that with an actual die cast car, like a toy, a Matchbox or Hot Wheels car. But to do that with an actual car that's that has to be safety tested and is the safest car on the road and it, that's that's wild to me. I love it. Uh, it's also great to hear that the 4680 cells, or well, I guess they don't specifically confirm the 4680 cells, but definitely the uh, 
the single castings and the structural battery packs. So presumably, I think the 4680s, we can safely assume, pair with the structural battery packs. So I think that is probably fair to say. But anyway, those are coming to Giga Berlin this quarter. So that's great news. Now, the question is, will those 4680 structural battery pack-based Model Ys from Berlin be more off-menu, standard-range, all-wheel-drive versions that people in Europe can buy as sort of a, again, off-menu thing? Or will there be proper long-range and or performance variants of the Model Y that are done on the 4680s and the structural pack? That is something I'm eager to learn the answer to. And then finally, in the shareholder letter, before I get to the earnings call itself, my favorite part of the shareholder letter every time, it, most times actually, maybe not every time, but most of the time is the product outlook section at the very end, or not the very end end, but before the pages of financial numbers and the photos of the various factories that they always put in there. But at the end of the sort of new materials, the actual proper information before it just before it just gets into sheer raw numbers. This quarter, that section reads, the pace of production ramps in Texas and Berlin will be influenced by the successful introduction of many new product and manufacturing technologies in new locations and ongoing supply chain related challenges. Factory ramps take time and Gigafactory Texas and Gigafactory Berlin will be no different. We are making progress on the industrialization of Cybertruck, which is currently planned for Texas production subsequent to the Model Y ramp. The initial phase of Tesla semi deliveries is scheduled to begin in December of 2022. So I found it interesting here. We've seen that same exact copy pasted line before about the Cybertruck. We are making progress on the industrialization, which is currently planned for Texas production subsequent to the Model Y ramp. That is not new, but what for me, what I just found interesting there is that they won't officially say mid-2023 for the start of Cybertruck production. Instead, they just go with that more relative after the Model Y ramp is finished. However, if you're a Cybertruck reservation holder, don't worry, we will get that mid-2023 number reaffirmed for us in the earnings call which I will have the highlight clips and analysis of for you right after this. Real quick, let me remind you about AccelerateAuto.com and their Xcare extended warranties for EVs. That discount code, Lightning, gets you $100 off a policy which you can customize to your, your choosing. But in short, as a reminder, these guys are Tesla guys themselves, and they have stepped up now to offer an extended service agreement where Tesla no longer does themselves. That means things like MCU replacements, onboard computer systems, door handles for the Model S, AC and HVAC issues, air suspension issues on the SNX, and more are all covered by their extended service plan once your four-year 50,000-mile factory warranty is up. Xcare is built specifically for electric vehicles and offers coverage for up to 10 years and up to 175,000 miles with a $100 deductible. Me, I am rocking a three-year, 40,000-mile extended service agreement myself. 
They also offer leasing if you are interested in that as well. And in fact, unlike Tesla's direct leases, Accelerate allows you to buy the car at the end of the term if you want to. So learn more, find the right extend warranty plan for you and your Tesla at accelerateauto.com slash xcare. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. And don't forget that discount code lightning for $100 off your purchase. All right, let's get to that earnings call. There is plenty to go over. As always, I like to start with Elon Musk's opening statement. It's a long one this time, just under 10 minutes long. Here's how Elon kicked things off. So just to do a Q3 recap, uh, <clears throat> Q3 was another record quarter on many levels. Uh, our, uh, we had our industry-leading operating margin reach 17%. Uh, and our free cash flow surpassed $3 billion in Q3 and approached $9 billion in the past 12 months. As our factories ramp, we're looking forward to a record-breaking Q- Q4. Um, so it's, it really, you know, knock, knock on wood, it looks looks like we'll have an, an epic uh, end, of, end of year. So Q4 is looking extremely good. Uh, on the production ramp, uh, Giga Berlin achieved another milestone of 2,000 cars made in a week. Um, and, uh, with very good quality and um, uh, is, is ramping rapidly. Um, Giga Austin or Giga Texas should reach this milestone very soon. Uh, and, and in fact, just yesterday, we, if you extrapolated yesterday's hold rate, it would be 2,000. Um, our production of 4680 cells has tripled in Q3 compared to the previous quarter. Uh, we are finally gaining rapid traction on the 4680 cell. Um, and um, its it, output is growing uh, rapidly, and we expect it to start incorporating in cars and having it be uh, a significant portion of our uh, production here in Texas uh, in the coming months. Uh, <clears throat> we also have our second generation of manufacturing equipment for, for, for 4680 cells in Texas, uh, which continues to show great progress along with our original pilot line, Fremont. The Fremont uh, factory team, once again, reached record production in Q3. And we intend to keep uh, raising production in Fremont. Regarding autopilot, at the end of at the end of September, we hosted our second AI day uh, and showed the first prototype of our Optimus robot, the latest updates on our Dojo tra- training computer, and uh, a wide range of improvements of full self-driving software. Our vehicles have now driven nearly 60 miles in full self-driving beta mode, and this number continues to grow exponentially. Our goal with that AI day was to was recruiting, and we've seen a massive influx of world-class artificial intelligence engineer um, and scientist uh, resume. So uh, it generated a tremendous amount of interest from some of the, the best AI researchers in the world. I can't emphasize the importance of this enough. Um, because I think it finally has become clear to the smartest AI technologists in the world that Tesla is among the very best. So, um, and at this this quarter, we expect to go to a wide release of full self-driving beta uh, in North America. So, uh, anyone who has ordered a full self-driving beta or full self-driving will have access to the FSD beta program this year, um, probably about a month from now. So 
And then obviously any new car, new anyone who buys a car and, and purchases purchases a full self driving option will immediately have that available to them. So the, the safety that we're seeing when the car is in FSD mode is actually significantly greater than, than the safety we're seeing than what, when it is not, which is a key threshold for going to a wide beta. Let's see, with respect to demand, um, we've, got, we've got a lot of questions about demand in recent weeks. Um, I can't emphasize enough, we, we have excellent demand uh, for Q4, and we expect to sell uh, every car that we make for as far into the future as we can see. So the factories are running at full speed, and we're delivering every car we make and keeping operating margins strong. So we're still a very small percentage of, of the total vehicles on the road, of the 2 billion cars and trucks on the road. We only have about three and a half million. So we've got a long way to go to even reach 1% of the global fleet. Um, <clears throat> let's see, based on my, um, uh, what people, are, based on, on, on many things, but uh, certainly um, questions I get on Twitter uh, about buybacks. And I think every one of our board members has gotten questions about buybacks. Um, um, the, we've debated the buyback uh, idea extensively at the board level. Um, the board uh, generally thinks that it makes sense to do a buyback, uh, but we want to work, uh, work through the, the right process to, to do a buyback. Uh, but it is certainly possible for us to do a buyback on the order of five to $10 billion, um, uh, even in the downside scenario of, uh, Next year, even if even if next year is um, is a very difficult year, we still have the ability to do a five to ten billion dollar buyback. Um, this is obviously a pending uh, board review and approval. So um, it's it's likely that we'll do some some meaningful buyback. So in conclusion, while the market themes revolve around the short term. It's very important to focus on the long term. Um, I can't emphasize this enough with uh, investors, and I think long, long-time investors obviously recognize this with, with Tesla. Um, you have your sort of local ups and downs, but the long-term trend has been extremely good. And several years ago, I said, um, I think on an earnings on an earnings call, that I. That I I thought it was possible for Tesla to be worth more than Apple, which was then the highest market cap company, I think, on the market. And Apple at the time, I think, was around $700 billion. And I said it required incredible executions, at least some luck. And we didn't even indeed achieve that. Tesla went, in fact, far past uh, Apple's market cap at the time. Um, and um, and now I'm of the opinion that we can far exceed Apple's current market cap. In fact, I, I see a potential path for Tesla to be worth more than Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. So now that doesn't mean it will happen. 
that will be easy. In fact, I think it will be very difficult. It will require a lot of work, some very creative new products, um, tremendous expansion, um, and always some luck. But, but for the first time, I am seeing, I, I see a way for, for Tesla to be uh, let's, let's say roughly twice the value of Saudi Aramco. And I think that's, I, I, haven't, I haven't quite seen that yet. I mean, I haven't, this is the first time I've seen, seen that potential. So, I mean, we have an incredible product portfolio. I think we've got the most exciting product portfolio of any company on earth. Um, some of which you've heard about, some of which you haven't. Um, we're in the, the, the final uh, lap for Cybertruck. Um, we're building the Cybertruck line here at uh, Giga Texas Austin. And um, making a lot of progress in the RoboTaxi platform design. And um, Oh, and then with yeah, uh, with respect to uh, batteries, we're moving as fast as possible to have to, to achieve a thousand gigawatt hours a year of production capacity in the United States, uh, vertically integrated. So anode, cathode, lithium refining. Um, we're moving at a top speed to, to do that. So I think it's an incredibly exciting future um, and really an unprecedented future. Um, but none of this would be possible without the incredible team that we have here at Tesla. Um, so I'd like to give a, a huge shout out to all of our factory employees, uh, engineers, executives, and the, the whole Tesla team. You guys rock. Uh, you're, you're the ones making it happen. Thank you. The key takeaways in Elon's opening statement there for me were as follows. Number one, that Giga Texas is on the verge of reaching a production rate of 2,000 model wise per week. That is excellent progress. Now, I presume the mix of those is mostly 2170 based battery cars since the 4680 based standard range all wheel drive remains at least as, as this as of this recording an off menu option that's you you can't order it on the website you got to order a long range and then if you're in a certain geographic zone radius from the factory Tesla might reach out to you and say hey if you want to choose one of these 4680 cars the standard range all wheel drives from inventory you can get a car sooner if you're willing to take a car that's a little less money, but a decent bit less range as well. Anyway, you know that. So my point is that the mix of those cars is going to change as the 4680's own production ramp increases, which we'll hear more about later on in the call. And eventually I presume that the long range Model Y in Texas is also gonna move over to those structural packs and 4680 cells. If not, perhaps also, the performance Model Y as well. My second key takeaway, that a stock buyback is likely to happen next year. That is good news for those of you who've got Tesla stock. Takeaway number three, 
In the short term now, we've got a, quote, epic Q4 to look forward to very optimistically. Now, you heard my production prediction for Q4 on last week's show, 453,000. That is the number that I am down for. We'll see what happens there. And finally, takeaway number four from this, that Tesla is in the, quote, final lap for industrialization of the Cybertruck. It's now October. In fact, we're getting into late October as I record this and as you listen to it. So in theory, we are roughly eight to nine months away from those first deliveries. That's awesome. I mean, the the mid-2023 is holding so far, and thus that means we're getting closer and closer every time there's an earnings call, every time this comes up. Uh, Pardon me, actually, I had one more. Takeaway number five. You heard Elon say it at the end, and that is how he thinks there is a reasonable chance that Tesla will surpass the value of Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. Now, that would obviously be amazing news for shareholders and certainly good news for Tesla fans in general because it would clearly mean that the company's doing very, very well, far better than it's even doing right now. And I'll tell you this, whether this is a fanboy statement or not, I share Elon's optimism on this. A big reason for my optimism is coming up later on in this earnings call recap. How's that for a teaser for you? All right, next we move to the say.com questions, the most upvoted retail shareholder questions. Let's begin with one about the new tax credit and whether or not Tesla's batteries are going to fulfill all of the new federal requirements in order to qualify. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think just at a high level, I'd say uh, we do expect to fully meet the um, IRA's requirements. You wanna- yeah, the, you know, we view the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act as a significant boost towards accelerating automation, while also scaling the battery supply chain at large in the United States. We expect Treasury to publish detailed guidance by the end of the year. Until such time, it's difficult to fully determine the eligibility criteria, but we believe Tesla is very well positioned to capture a significant share of that for solar storage and also electric vehicles. Yeah, like I said, we're, like I said, like I said earlier, we're, we're going to go basically pedal to the metal uh, as fast as humanly possible to get to 1,000 gigawatt, gigawatt hours a year of production in the U.S. Uh, vertically integrated. Well, clearly a prepared statement from Drew Baglino there. Drew, if you recall, is Tesla's VP of battery tech. He was the star of Battery Day. Tesla expected this question to get asked, and they should have expected it, and I'm glad it did get asked. This isn't just an important question for shareholders, who, of course, that is who these earnings calls are really geared towards, but it's a critical question for Tesla customers as well. In fact, the next 10 years worth of customers. Tesla here saying that they are, quote, well-positioned to get those credits. That is certainly good news, And we'll hear a bit more about this later on in the call. The next question was one, well, will you give some product updates in terms of existing products that are going to get revamped and upgraded? And this was the response. No. (laughs) We we could, but we won't. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We can't, can't, like, jump the gun on future product announcement. Committed to continuous improvement. Yeah, we obviously are continuing. Yes. 
Well, as you could hear from the response, the question again was whether or not Elon would reveal any product upgrades coming down the pipeline. And well, it was met with some laughter. No, Tesla won't be giving away the store on an earnings call. However, I don't blame the person who posed that question on Say.com because if you've been following Tesla long enough, as I have, you'll remember that Elon used to talk about future unannounced products all the time on earnings calls. He was almost like Jim Carrey in Liar Liar. If you asked him the right question, it's like he had to answer honestly. But uh, nowadays, of course, Elon is a little bit better trained. The company is far bigger and more successful, and it's he can't be quite throwing around uh, such loosey-goosey future product statements. But Elon did at least throw in a plug for the Model S Plaid there, which, hey, I don't blame him for. Next up, Cybertruck update. You knew it was going to be asked. Well, here it is, and here's the answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've, as, as Elon said earlier, we'd be on product, uh, facilities preparations here in Giga, Texas for Cybertruck. Um, we're still on track to enter uh, early production in the middle of next year. We started our um, beta builds uh, of all of the battery, body, and existing. Right, when can I drop my beta? <laughs> that was the question. In, in a few weeks. Right. Okay, great. Um, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. And that's, that's going well. Um, and, uh, you know, we continue ramping up through the end of next year and in, into 2023. Good. Yeah, the car's going to be sick. And sick. That's going to be a Hall of Famer next level. Sorry, sorry it took it longer than expected. But, you know, there were a few things that got in the way, like insane global supply chain shortages and pandemics. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Force majeure if there ever was one. All right. Thank you. Uh, uh, of, of course, uh, Tesla Semi, of course. You know, yes. so, so we'll be handing over our first production Tesla Semis um, to Pepsi on December 1st. Um, I'll be there in person. And... Um, We'll be begin ramping up uh, production of the Tesla Semi, which is a um, max load heavy, a heavy, a heavy truck. Yeah, that's the class A truck. Class A truck. No sacrifice to cargo capacity. Yeah, no sacrifice. Exactly. No sacrifice. Very important. No sacrifice to cargo capacity. Five hundred mile range. I'm just be clear. Right. Five hundred miles with the cargo. Just, yeah, five miles with the cargo yeah. on, on level ground. Yes, yeah, sir. You know, <laughs> so not, not not up. You know, close. Um, but the point is, it's a, a long range truck, and, and even with heavy cargo. Um, and the number of times people told me, "Oh, you you can't. It's impossible to make a long range, uh, heavy duty class A truck." Um, and then I asked, "Well, well, what are your assumptions about what out kilogram and what hours per mile?" And they would look at me with a blank stare and then say hydrogen. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's that's not the answer. But I was looking for numbers. 
Um, <laughs> literally. <laughs> that's, that's not a number. It's an element on the periodic table. Um, anyway, you obviously don't need hydrogen for heavy trucking. That's what we're trying to make here. Um, and we'll be ramping up uh, semi-production through next year. Uh, as as you know, I think everyone knows at this point, uh, it, it takes you know, about a year to ramp up production. So we expect to see significant... Um, uh, we're, we're tentatively aiming for 50,000 units in 2024 for um, semi in, in North America. And, and uh, obviously we'll expand beyond North America. Um, and, and these would sell... It's, I don't want to say what the sacrifice is, but they're much more than a passenger vehicle. So <laughs> the 50,000 uh, heavy trucks of this nature would be worth several um, model-wise. This was the big question that I expected would be asked, and quite frankly, I expect this question will continue to be asked at every earnings call from now until the Cybertruck enters production. And as you heard, still on track for early production in mid-2023, which just continues to be reassuring each time that we hear it. On this note, by the way, in anticipation of this question coming up on the call, uh, in the beginning of this week, ahead of the earnings call, I put up a new Patreon poll on this topic. Again, you can you do not have to be a Patreon backer to vote in these. Just go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Each week, I usually put the questions up on Tuesday nights. In this case, it was Monday night because I knew that I had a short week before heading off to TeslaCon, Florida. So anyway, the poll question posed Monday was when will the first Cybertruck deliveries happen? 166 votes, 46%, nearly half of you that voted said Q2 2023. So I, and I presume if we were to break that down even further, most of you would have probably said June, specifically towards the end of that Q2. But in any case, uh, 32% of you saying Q3. So it sounds like, you know, from what Drew is saying there and from what we've been hearing, mid-2023, it could fall on either side, the Q2 side or the Q3 side. 13% of you thought it might slip to Q4, just 3% saying Q1, 2023, uh, and then 6%, again, relatively small number of folks, think it will push out to 2024 or later, so thank you to everybody that voted there. My favorite part of that response, though, was a little hidden. You probably caught it, and it was Elon Musk saying that he will get a beta Cybertruck to drive in a few weeks. Now, if beta, the beta terminology there stays consistent with what it has with, with Teslas in the past, that probably, not guaranteed, but that likely means that we are going to start seeing Cybertrucks on the roads in Austin in a few weeks as well. Not necessarily Elon specifically, but there's they're going to build more than one beta. So the Cybertruck will be driven by other engineers, people besides Elon, running them around, testing them out. There is a chance that we might have some sightings out here in the San Francisco Bay Area, just because there are a lot of Tesla engineers here. But Austin, my friends in Austin, everybody listening out there, you guys, of course, are a lock for this. So to my Austin listeners, the rest of us kindly look to you to get good pictures 
videos to post to social media for the rest of us to enjoy, to see these things on the road. Of course, I ask you, please be respectful of the Tesla employees when you do so. If you see one parked, if you see somebody sitting inside it, maybe ask permission, maybe just, you know, or be respectful if they seem like they don't want to be bothered. But in any case, uh, do have fun. If the opportunity presents itself on the road, you get a chance to take a picture, take a little video, do it and enjoy the social media clout that's going to follow because these things are going to be just, they're going to be viral. As soon as the first ones start to be photographed and posted online, it's that all that's going to be super viral. And I will say, I have been very lucky in the past to live near Fremont and Palo Alto. So I have had the pleasure of seeing beta model S's on the road and then beta model X's and then release candidate model threes running around early and release candidate model Y's as well. It is. And what I can tell you from that personal experience is it's a really exciting, but really brief moment in time where seeing one of these new Teslas out in the wild, it's like seeing the automotive equivalent of a unicorn because there are so few of them running around. You can't buy them yet. So it's going to be fun for all of us, you know, that are, most of us are going to be just looking at the pictures and videos online. But for those of you in Austin and maybe some of us here in the Bay area, if the engineers bring some out this way, it's going to be a really special, unique, fun time. Uh, Probably even more so than the other four Teslas, just because of the, the sheer boldness and uniqueness of the Cybertruck. Actually, I mean, I've had the pleasure and the privilege of seeing the Cybertruck in person on a few different occasions. And I'm telling you, it's the, you know, the DeLorean's the similar way this with the, the, the stainless steel. I mean, the stainless is a big part of it, but certainly with the Cybertruck, it's the actual, it's just the shape of it and the look of it and the size of it. Seeing it in the real world with your own eyes is vastly different than seeing a picture or a video of it. So uh, it's it's going to be really fun for those of you who will get the opportunity to get a sneak peek at these before they do start production and start deliveries in the middle of next year. Anyway, back on topic, it's also really cool to hear about the Tesla Semi's range. I love that little spiel from Elon about the Semi, about how <laughs> people have doubted it and like, how is this even possible? 500 miles of range with cargo. I mean, That's what you'd want, certainly, but just, I don't know, to me, I mean, I'm not an engineer, so to me, as just a a lay person, 500 miles of range on an EV semi-truck that's hauling cargo is, is such an insane proposition to me that it could get that kind of range with, with full cargo that I have almost had to tell myself in some way this whole time that, that no, it must be 500 miles of range with no cargo because that's a little easier for my brain to process. But no, 500 miles of range with cargo. But anyway, uh, here's one more teaser for you for later in the call. There's a much bigger revelation, at least in my eyes, a much bigger revelation about the Tesla Semi coming up in just a little while. But first... Let's get an update on the progress of the 4680 battery cells. Um, yeah, ramp is going well, as Elon said. Uh, total output is up 
3x quarter over quarter, um, and production is tracking to exceed 1,000 car sets per week this quarter, as we said uh, last quarter. Um, our focus is now shifting from 100% ramp to cost and further expanding production capacity in North America, uh, as Ivan also mentioned. On the 2170 versus 4680 um, in our factories, we, we really attempt to minimize factory complexity and product changeover while still making sure we get enough new product into the field to learn how it is performing. Um, and that, that, that sort of mix is going to shift as uh, the 4680 scales here and the overall factory ramp. Uh, proceeds in Texas. Right. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, 4680 ramp is growing exponentially. Uh, and um, yeah, it's going well. It's looking good. This, this, this yeah. is going to be a very major factor in the future. There are a lot of packs upset. Yes. Um, like I said, we're, our, our goal is to strive towards 1,000 gigawatt hours a year of annualized production. In the United States alone, by Tesla, not including suppliers. Suppliers would be on top of that. We need to get 300 to 400 terawatt hours built to accomplish our goal. Yeah, there's, there's roughly <laughs> to transition Earth to sustainable energy, our rough calculation um, to, for both uh, stationary and vehicles um, is 300 to 400,000 gigawatt hours or three to 400 terawatt hours. So when you're like, one terawatt sounds like a lot. Well, it's a lot of terawatt hours to go. Yeah, and I should say, <laughs> the, on, the, on the cathode side, the, um, this, the, the, the main cathode we think would probably be uh, iron um, and um, uh, most of the ions, because iron, iron can scale to very, very high tonnage. And um, and then so, some nickel. The exact percentages are hard to figure out, but it's it's probably probably at least twice as much uh, iron cathode as, as nickel, um, maybe more. And uh, and then this the manganese wild card as well. So, right, Peter. Yep. Okay. And on that note, we're pursuing aggressively North American iron cathode supplies. Yeah. Um, and have yeah, we can talk more about that at a future date. Boy, listen to those battery production goals. They are on their way. A thousand gigawatt hours. That's one terawatt hour. So it's a start. They need multiple orders of magnitude more, though, which, again, uh, theme of the day for me. It's tough to wrap my head around, just like with the Tesla Semi. But Tesla's got a plan, and they've got some of the smartest people in the field to help them go do it. They also, as we heard at the top, have billions of dollars in cash on hand to fund it. So if anybody in this world can do it, Tesla can. On that note, how would Tesla hold up if there's a longer recession? Well, to be frank, um, we're going pedal to the metal um, come rain or shine. So uh, we are not uh, uh, reducing our production in any meaningful way. Recession or not recession, so um, it's the one percent point you made. Yeah, we're, exactly. So, so the, the, everyone, I think the public at large realizes that the world is moving towards electric vehicles, and that it's foolish to actually uh, buy a new uh, gasoline car at this point because the residual value of that gasoline car is going to be very low. So, um, so I think we're, we're having to be in a very good spot. Um, I wouldn't say it's recession proof, but it's certainly 
recession resilient um, because basically the, the earth has the people of earth have in large part made the decision to move away from gasoline cars to electric cars um, and then we're in transitioning uh, electricity generation to uh, sustainable you need solar and wind with the stationary battery pack to buffer the the, the power, so you have 24-7 power because the wind doesn't blow all the time and the sun doesn't shine all the time. So that also is, we, we can't, we, we actually um, see the, the energy storage business, stationary storage, growing more like, I don't know, 150 to 200% a year. So much faster than cars by a lot. Sorry, just to add, um, before you jump in, Martin, I mean, just to echo Elon's point, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, where our cash balance is, what our forecasted cash generation is, where our margins are as a company, I mean, we can withstand um, qu quite a lot of downside before we would have to dig into our capital plans, supercharger expansion, product lineup. So, you know, the, the business has done quite well over the last handful of quarters. And this is a real opportunity, I think, for the company to press forward in the most aggressive way, as Elon is mentioning. Yeah, I mean, we try to model out, like, let's say 2023 is a, is a brutal recession year. Um, even then, we generate meaningful cash. Once, once you get out of that 2024, plus, it's insane. In other words, expect Tesla to go all out no matter what, and it's unlikely that any external forces can even slow them down, as Elon pointing out that the tide has turned in the world's pivot to EVs, and in short, there's practically no stopping Tesla now, and you love to see it. Next up is the highlight of the whole thing, if you ask me. This is the biggest news, as far as I can see. Take a listen to what Tesla has coming up next. Well, we don't talk exact, exact dates, um, but this is uh, a, the, the, I mean, the, the primary focus of our new vehicle development team, obviously. But yeah, we've, we've, we're at this point, we've done the engineering for Cybertruck and for Semi. And um, so it's obviously, you can guess what, our, what we're working on, which is this next generation vehicle, which will be about half the cost of the three-wide three platform. It'll be smaller. To be clear, um, but uh, it, it, it will, I think, swiftly become, uh, swiftly exceed the production of all our other vehicles combined. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're going to take everything we learned from SX, 3Y, Cybertruck, and Semi and pour it into that platform. But we, as you've said to us many times, we're on a two for one target. So, yeah, you know, that implies a, a, a Trying to get to that fifty percent number again. That's that exactly. It's, it's it's like what would it take to? That's exactly the, 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 what what Lost Tracks is. What we're trying to figure out is how how how, this, how do we make two cars for the amount of effort that we currently takes us to make one Model Three? Yeah, effort costs. Yeah, perform, uh, all efficiency. Yeah, all those things. Half the loss, half the cost, half the floor, factory floor space. The choice, the output. And we do believe this can be done. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I should mention that when I said that probably 
LIVICA path again, extreme, very difficult path, incredible execution required, massive amount of hard work and some luck to get to where Tesla is with as much as uh, Apple and uh, Saudi Aramco combined. Um, I wasn't including Optimus. So again, to me, this was the biggest moment of the entire call, because if I'm interpreting that correctly, and I think it was pretty clear, it sure sounds like the $25,000 car, the smaller sedan and probably a small, sounds like a small SUV to go with it. The $25,000 car is back on the menu, boys. It's been a wild ride for that project in the two years since it was originally, well, originally, I don't know if announced is the right word, originally mentioned back at Battery Day because it has vacillated between seeming like it was the next thing and at other points it seemed like it was shelved entirely in favor of the robo-taxi vehicle. Now it appears that the answer is that both the $25,000 car and the robo-taxi vehicle are going to happen. And I expect that both will probably be built on the same platform. Where to build it is another matter entirely, particularly if it's going to be made in the volumes that you heard Elon mention there, more than all of the other Tesla vehicles combined. That's $2,025,000 cars per year. $2,000,000 of just that vehicle. You don't have to build them all in one place, certainly, and it's obvious that Tesla won't do that. Their strategy is to build vehicles as close to where customers are taking delivery of them as possible. I can't help but be reminded of an old, and I want to emphasize old, rumor that I heard about shortly after the $25,000 car was originally mentioned at Battery Day in 2020. I think I did a lightning round about this in the, the one of the first lightning round episodes, if I remember right. Anyway... That rumor was, and I want to, again, emphasize rumor and emphasize old, but that rumor was that maybe the Model 3 is discontinued when the $25,000 car comes out in favor of just using all of those production resources to build a whole ton of the $25,000 car, including the space in the factories to do that. So is that rumor dead well, well, it probably was. Is it back? Maybe, maybe not. But if Tesla's trying to get to 20 million cars per year by 2030, does it make sense that you'd kill the Model 3 for this easier to build, cheaper to build, higher volume car? Maybe, like I could see Tesla making the case for that, but the other case is that to get to 20 million cars per year by 2030, Tesla's gonna need to build everything they can. But I don't think we can rule out the possibility that maybe there was something to that old rumor and maybe there will yet be. Okay, I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four calls, uh, four clips left, pardon me. These are now from the analyst section of the earnings call. This first one, Elon was asked, would you vertically integrate Tesla's in-house mining efforts? Um, we'll do whatever we have to, whatever, uh Whatever the limiting factor is, we'll do. We, we, we do not uh, um, artificially constrain ourselves. Um, we, we, we don't vertically integrate just for the hell of vertically integrating. Like if there if there's a great supplier who's better than us, or we think at least very good, um, or even where the economics of comparative advantage suggests that we should use that supplier, even if we could beat them, but we could use our resources to do something else that, that would be more productive. 
then 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 we then we won't uh, insource in that case. Um, but but if if we have if we have to go mine, uh, we will mine. Well, that seems like sound logic to me. If a supplier can do it better, then Tesla will stick with that supplier. If Tesla can figure out a better way to do it themselves via vertical integration, they will. I suspect this is only the first time we will hear about Tesla doing its own mining on these earnings calls. I bet you this is going to become a regular topic in the next couple of years. All right, the next one. How about an update on full self-driving? We, as I said earlier, we're expecting to release the full self-driving software to anyone who orders the package um, for the end of this year. Um, it's a separate matter as to is it, will it have regulatory approval. It, it won't have regulatory approval at that time. Um, but, um, but, the, but the car will be able to take you from your home to your work, your friend's house. The, to the grocery store um, without you touching the wheel. So it's looking very good. And it would mean like level four, level five kind of traditional definition you're talking about? Um, well, there's, there's a debate as like what's the, what are the interventions per mile and, and all those, maybe the safety interventions per mile. Um, like we don't, we don't think that that's it's, that's quite ready to, to have no one behind the wheel. Um, it's just that there will you will almost never have to touch the, the control the vehicle controls. Um, so like when I came to Giga Texas today uh, from um, friend's house, I never touched any of the controls all the way in here. Um, and then, and then it, it's, there, there is a longer process of like what's called the march of nines of like how many nines for reliability do you need before uh, you can you can really be comfortable saying uh, that the car can drive with no one in it. Um, and um, you know that's some subjectivity as to how many nines you need, uh, but I think we'll be pretty close to. having enough nines that you can have no one in the car by the end of this year. Um, and uh, certainly without, without question whatsoever in my mind um, next year. And I think we'll also have enough data next year to be able to show to regulators that uh, the car is safer, much safer than the average human. All right, so here's a new update on the wide rollout of the FSD bit. It's now not just this year, which is rapidly running out, but perhaps even next month, November. Now, FSD beta timelines haven't exactly held very firm this year. Note, this is not a complaint. This is just an observation. As an example, the most recent FSD beta timeline we were given was when Elon said that version 10.69.3 would be out right after AI Day. Well, AI Day was three weeks ago already. So anyway, just, just again, just <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, but it's coming. So I wouldn't hold my breath for November necessarily, but perhaps it will indeed happen by the end of December. Personally, again, I've said this before, I've definitely seen improvement, but for me, I'm not seeing the 
holy cow, this is amazing and as good as a person side of this beta that some folks have posted about. But hey, with 160,000 people feeding data to the neural nets now, in theory, that should allow for more rapid iteration. I know that Dojo is a big part of that faster iteration and Dojo's not ready for the field quite yet, but still, more testers means not just more data, but more good data. However you want to define good, be it edge cases as good data or unprotected left turns as good data, etc. So good to get that update. Next, the 4680s, these came up again. Are they at scale yet? Well, I'll take the second question first. Uh, at Battery Day, we showed a timeline out to 2026 uh, for all of the ideas we had proposed and had, you know, shared with 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 everybody then. And uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. I think we'll do better than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, but but just the, that's the rough. Just giving you all, you know, yeah. it, like it's on that order. It's not like a month. It's not six months. It's it's years. And um, we are executing on all of those different ideas pretty aggressively in parallel with the OPEX that some people think isn't enough, but we're getting it done. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm not turning down POs, you know. No, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Or great talent. Like, we find yeah, awesome engineers, we bring them on into the company. Um, and, and people shouldn't believe we are turning people away. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard problem, but we're solving it. And I, I think... Um, you know, we still feel confident that the 4680 will be yes. the most competitive battery cell in the world. And it's the whole system around it, right? It's not necessarily a specific form factor. It's the attention to detail on how to bring costs out of the manufacturing process, how to remove processing steps. And all, all, all the way down you know, from the mine to the cell. Yeah, exactly. Many steps along the way. Yeah, and you know, for those who watch the YouTube videos, like our on-site cathode, facilities coming together. Um, really excited about that, which is a part of the plan that we discussed on Battery Day. Yeah, um, but the, it, you know, we're also building a lithium refinery. In Corpus Christi. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're making, you know, um, putting our money where our mouths are and all the various efforts that we discussed on Battery Day. On, on the technical challenges and, and, and the ramp question, which is your first question on 4680, like no ramp is ever easy, even at the end when you're eighty percent to the end. Like it, it's still very challenging to get to the end, and that that sort of leaning out of yields, the final cycle time, you know, to achieve target. Um, uh, you mentioned logistics; it's not something that we're specifically focused on, I guess, but eventually could be a problem as we're talking about hundreds of gigawatt hours at different sites across the United States. Um, but but I, I would never sit here and say we have no challenges uh, remaining. But but we've made a lot of progress reducing technical risk in many areas. Uh, cycle times have dramatically improved. Yield has dramatically improved. Um, and the you know just just walking the line here in Texas, you know, like Martin was walking it yesterday, made some comments to me. Uh, you, you really see the the acceleration around you. Um, and we've made a ton of simplifications moving from um, the Fremont factory to to Texas, and it. It's coming to play in speed of ramp here, um, and and of course that's that's on that's on one line of many here in Texas. So it's it's not like factory to factory. It's 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 a multiplication of both simplicity and scale. So uh, yeah, we're we're excited about where it's headed. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you know once once we are fully integrated, um, I think we we still do see a path uh, 
to hold a roughly seventy dollar kilowatt hour cell. So seventy dollars per kilowatt hour cell. Yeah. Before before any incentive. Before incentive. Before incentive. Yeah. Remember back when Tesla's goal was to get battery costs, battery cell costs down to $100 a kilowatt? I believe that was from Battery Day. Well, they're now looking to take that quite a bit further. And if they can successfully do so, and I have no reason to doubt them, that will likely be the key to Tesla being able to profitably build a $25,000 car and not just build a $25,000 car but do so, build a $25,000 car that people actually want to buy. Build a good $25,000 car. I wonder how close they are to that goal now in terms of the, the cost per kilowatt hour. And, and no doubt that the 4680 cells are going to be a big key to achieving that target as well. Okay, I teased a semi-truck big bit of news earlier in this uh, in this recap and analysis episode. And it comes here with the final clip from right near the end of the earnings call. It was another 4680 question. Where are they going now? Uh, where, are those, where are those battery cells going now? Are they in the Tesla Semi? Are they in the Model Ys in Texas? Are the 4680s going to be a gating factor for the Cybertruck? Well, take a listen to this answer. Well, the, the, a Semi doesn't use the 4680s. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we, we are making uh, Model Ys. Um, some of the Model Ys coming out of Giga, uh, Texas are uh, 4680. Um, and I think, Drew, the car you drive around is 4680 yep. Model Y. 10,000 miles. 10,000 miles. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, no problems yet. Yeah. Structural pack. Structural pack. Yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, our, our, and our output at 4680 is growing exponentially. So, um, but it's worth bearing in mind that like, there are, are entire highly competitive companies that are very smart. That all they do is make battery cells. This is this is simply one segment of Tesla. Yeah. So, you know, so it's not a total walking block. No, there's there there aren't there are challenges still ahead that we have not yet surpassed. No doubt. We don't anticipate this being any limiting tactical Cybertruck or anything else. I listened back to that a few different times, and I'm pretty sure that both Drew and Elon said not yet, that they're not yet using the 4680s in the Tesla Semi. So the question then becomes, what batteries are in the Tesla Semi here in this initial run of production? Is it, I mean, it's really only two choices. Is it, is it the 2170s? or the 18650s. I am going to guess, and admittedly it is just that, a guess, that it's the 2170s. We know that the semi is being built at Giga Nevada. The 2170 battery cells are being made at Giga Nevada, so that's certainly uh, a convenient (laughs) pairing there. We also know that the semi uses three Model 3 motors. The Model 3 motors are also made at Giga Nevada, And so, yeah, it might as well use Model 3 battery packs as well. Battery cells, I should say. After all, what is the use case for the Tesla Semi? It's long-distance travel. The 2170s are perfectly adept at that, and they're likely cheaper than the 18650 cells that are going into the relatively low-volume SNX. 
Though, again, the yet is, uh, is, is a key part of that answer that Elon and Drew gave, but it's still also, this, this answer forces me to reevaluate my thoughts on the Roadster as well, which, again, sadly, was not even mentioned on this earnings call. The Cybertruck's gonna get the 4680s. We, that's, it's, a, it's a cost reduction thing above all else, because they're, they're trying to make the semi, uh, excuse me, trying to make the Cybertruck as cheap as possible and as, as awesome as possible for as little money as possible. And the stainless steel is a big part of that and et cetera, you know, lack of a paint shop. So that saves a lot of uh, both environmental stress and cost, but also just financial cost as well. So the Model Y is uh, gonna be also getting the 4680s. It has, that, has, that process has begun. The Semi is not at first, the three, is not, and there's been no announced plan. You know, there's a good question for the next earnings call, maybe for uh, somebody to, to put it up on say.com, one of the retail investors, which again, if I, if I remember to do it, I need to, I need to add that to my list that I, that I just have, have floating around at the bottom of my show notes every week, or if anybody out there uh, gets a chance to do it next quarter as well. Is there a plan for the Model 3 to move to the 4680 battery cells and the structural battery pack? Anyway, I think it's entirely possible that the Roadster will get the 18650s, not the 2170s, if, it, if it's not going to be the 4680s, and it may still very well be. But why the 18650s? And the answer for me is because of the Model S Plaid. Tesla has seriously leveled up the thermal management capabilities of the new S and X and their battery packs. And they've also got the latest and greatest versions of the 18650 battery cells and the chemistry that are in those cars. Thermal management of the battery pack will be an even more crucial factor in the new Roadster than it is in the Plaid S and the Plaid X. Maybe a double stack of those 18650s, like two pancakes, one on top of the other, could be how Tesla achieves that 200 kilowatt hour battery pack in the Roadster that was mentioned at the unveiling, unless that plan has changed and it's not gonna be quite that large of a pack anymore, who knows? But the plot thickens at least a little bit on the Roadster. For me, the one per the seemingly one person who still seems to be talking about the Roadster because nobody at Tesla is. But it'll come, it'll happen in time. All right, that is the end of my recap of the Tesla quarterly shareholder letter and the earnings call. Hope you enjoyed that. But stick with me after this very short musical interlude. I've got a little bit more Ride the Lightning for you right after this. Well, we are already past the 70 minute mark of this episode and in an effort to be respectful of your time, I'm gonna skip the Ride the Lightning hotline this week, but feel free to call in. I will get back to it next week, I promise you that. If you'd like to respond to something that you heard on this week's podcast, either from Tesla or from me, drop me a line. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and record and email me your call, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each uh, as many people each week as possible. And the email address for that is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question, 
call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number, 1-888-989-TSLA. That's 1-888-989-8752. All right. I have some fun personal news that's relevant to this podcast. My solar panels are up. Uh, The installation happened in a day. We got our new roof over a weekend, and then the next day, uh, the the roof was finished on a Sunday, and on Monday morning, the solar guys were out to put up the panels, uh, and the the poor guys worked a long day, uh, I think mostly right till about sundown, and they, uh, they got it done. So the panels are up. They look great. They're super thin. They're not big, bulky, thick things on the roof like, like solar panels of the past. I am now waiting for the inspection and then the activation. The inspection's due to happen next week, or I guess as you're listening to this, this week. And then I believe we have to deal with the utility company, which up here is PG&E for the activation Pacific Gas and Electric, which I've heard can be an annoying and annoying proposition. So fingers crossed that I will be driving on driving my Model 3 on uh, fuel generated by the sun very, very soon. All right, how about a pro tip of the week? Here's Toby from Germany. Hey, Ryan, this is Toby from Germany. I'm currently walking my two greyhounds who are, of course, saying hi to Daisy. First of all, thanks for the great show. I'm a weekly listener for around three years now. I started at the famous Elon interview a long time ago. I have a quick pro tip. Um, I'm using Homelink uh, in the car a lot. I have a 2014 Model S, and I wanted to upgrade my electric gate that I'm using Homelink with at home because I keep forgetting my remote. So I realized I could just use uh, the Tesla app, but I wanted to use it when my hands are full or if I only have my Apple Watch. So I looked around and got a third-party app, in this case Nicola, and this made things so much easier. So whenever I'm getting close to the gate and I want to open it, I just tell Siri to open it, and this works perfectly. So no need to get additional home automation stuff if you have a Tesla sitting there that is capable of opening your gate for you. That's it. Thanks again for your great show, and have a good week. Toby, thank you for the kind words, both for me and for Daisy. Uh, And thank you for the pro tip as well. This is definitely a cool hack to get a little extra home automation going on using your car. I haven't used the third-party app that you mentioned there, so as always, I'd suggest everybody do a little bit of research before installing anything that's going to link to your car, but it sounds like you're happy with it, so that is a great sign. Thank you, Toby. Appreciate the call. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it my way. I'd love to hear it. Your fellow owners and enthusiasts would love to hear it. And you can send it in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls, which I just told you how to do a couple of minutes ago. Before I hit the road, let me mention some friends of the podcast. First, abstractocean.com. Makers of many, many, many excellent aftermarket parts for all four Teslas currently in production. Check them out, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Whether you're in the market for a lighting kit, something, an internal lighting kit, maybe you want to change the color of those accent lights inside or, or just brighten them up, get some bright whites instead. Or maybe you want to get the uh, rear footwell lighting kit, 
which I think is especially nice in a Model Y, maybe the fourth generation custom tempered glass screen protectors that they've got, all just all sorts of stuff. Again, take a look, just browse around, see what you like at uh, abstractocean.com and then use that coupon code RTLPODCAST to get your discount. The snap plate, which you can get at everyamp.com slash RTL, that's the front license plate that I would highly recommend, the front license plate bracket, I should say. If you've got to put one on or want to put one on, it is radiator safe, autopilot safe, grill safe, and paint safe. Nothing's going to stick to your paint on the front of your car. It's a nice, clean, minimalist design that blends really nicely with the front of the car. And if you do want to take it off, it leaves no unsightly hardware or residue behind when it's removed. So make those fix-it tickets go away. For those of you who, like me, live in a state that requires a front license plate. Again, get yours at everyamp.com RTL. And BudgetSafeSolar.com. Again, I am uh, nearing the finish line. I'm I'm my own. <laughs> I'm taking my own plug here, and I've called BudgetSafeSolar.com. I've signed an, a, a contract with them. I have solar panels on my roof from them, just looking to get them turned on. So if you'd like to do the same, give drop them a line if you're considering solar for your home and or business, because you never know when your neighborhood might have reached its circuit capacity and might not be able to handle another customer supplying that potentially aged infrastructure until repairs are completed, who knows when from now. Don't get shut out. Get in there now, get your solar going, drive your car on sunshine. Visit them today at budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do decide to proceed with an installation, as I have, I humbly ask that you use the referral code RTL. Thank you very much for that. Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com. Or you can check, uh, pardon me, check out pictures of Jeff's work on Yelp at yelp.com slash immaculate reflections. Or Jeff's own Instagram page for the shop, which is immaculate underscore reflections on uh, Instagram. There is a nice discount waiting for any of you that choose to book any work at Immaculate Reflections, whether that's ceramic coating, whether that's paint correction, whether that's paint protection film on some or all the car. If you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, I cannot recommend Immaculate Reflections enough. That is a very sincere statement. I've uh, I've spent a lot of time with Jeff. I've He's done wonders to take the best care possible of my car, keep it looking amazing. And I can't recommend him enough. IRDetailing.com. When you reach out to, to book that work with him, again, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and you'll get that discount. Uh, PureTesla.com slash RTL. Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. Just trust me on this one. You're going to want one of their kits. They're micro SD based, which is built for the constant reading and writing, the constant punishment that the uh, sentry mode and dash cam put on a thumb drive. So grab yours again at puretesla.com slash RTL, 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit. Ships free anywhere in the US, works right out of the box. Just take it out of the package, plug it straight into your car, works with Mac or PC, you're good to go. They also have the Slimline wireless game controller kit. 
If that's of interest as well, if you do a lot of game playing in your Tesla, since there are so many games to choose from, you can get them at the same place, puretesla.com slash RTL. And I believe, ah, other than the Patreon, that will do it. If you'll humbly give me a moment here to mention the Patreon, as I hope was evident, I'll tell you, I, uh, I felt really good about this week's show. Some weeks, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm human. Some weeks I finish a ride the lightning and I go, yeah, eh, I, I could have done a lot better. Whether it's my delivery, whether it's my the the notes that I'd prepared, the analysis. There, you know, I always do a kind of a mental postmortem, and I'll tell you when I do it. It's it's Saturday morning when I walk the dog. I always think about the night before when I've recorded the podcast, and I kind of go through it in my head. I'm like, eh, how you know how that was that one good? Could it, how could it have been better? This week, I have to say, I felt really good. It was a sprint this week. Because I knew I was getting on a plane to go to TeslaCon Florida on Friday morning. The earnings call was, of course, the story of the week. That's what this entire episode was about. That was on Wednesday afternoon. So I did not have a lot of time to get the show together and prep all my notes and try to make a good show for you guys. And I got to be honest, I mean, sometimes, as I said, sometimes I don't feel great about it. I felt good about it. Unless I blow it here in the last few minutes, which is entirely possible. But anyway, all that is to say that uh, a lot of love and research and care goes into this. And I do work hard and, and I work fast when I need to, like this week. So my hope is that at some point in time, maybe it's today. Maybe today's finally the day if you've been listening for a while and you enjoy the podcast. Maybe today's the day where you, you, know, you think to yourself, you know what, Ryan? Yes. You have earned my support on Patreon. I'm going to go to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, and I'm going to sign up for one of your support tiers. Now there's just, I mean, the $5 tier, the, the basic tier, that's, you know, hey, five bucks a month is great. When, when enough of you do it, it adds up to a real big difference. Every little bit helps. I really, truly believe that. And that five bucks a month gets you early access to each week's show. So in this case, you'd be able to listen to the show first thing Friday morning, or if I've got any Hawaiian listeners out there, this thing's going to be uploaded and, you know, before you're, you're, you know, when you're finishing up dinner, maybe you want to listen to it on Thursday night uh, in Hawaii. I don't know. But anyway, uh, early access for that $5 tier, which I call the sport mode tier, the ludicrous mode tier is that $10 a month tier which will get you the early access and those weekly bonus episodes, the lightning round shows. So, you know, I'm I'm hopefully, I'm hoping that seems like something that's that's, uh, appealing to you if you do enjoy the show and you'd like a little more of it and you'd like it earlier. So in any case, if if you see fit to support me, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. If that, you know, that that link is always in the show notes, the episode description. If you ever forget it, need to refer back to it and want to go over and check it out. All right. Uh, Subscribe slash follow on all the major podcast services. You know the drill there. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. My Twitter and Instagram handle is the same. You can find me in the same place on both of those places. It's DMC underscore Ryan. And I will hopefully see a number of you IRL in real life at TeslaCon Florida 
this weekend, or maybe by the time you hear this, it will have already happened last this past weekend. Before I go, let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier backers. Let me start with the Maximum Plaid crew because there's a new Maximum Plaid backer to say thank you to, say hello to, and that is James Gregory. James, thank you so much. I look forward to hopefully seeing you from here on out on the monthly Patreon Zoom hangouts that everybody in the Maximum Plaid tier or higher gets invited to. So, James, thank you so much. Thank you as well to the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay. Kim is uh, one of the folks that reached out. Looking forward to meeting her at TeslaCon Florida. Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, and the aforementioned James Gregory. A shout out as well to the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace Jackson, congratulations on your new Model X. You waited hundreds and hundreds of days to get it, but he's got it now. Beautiful white, new, long-range Model X. Drive it in good health, my friend. Uh, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, who I had a wonderful conversation with, uh, this past weekend because the Roadster in Space tier backers, in addition to all the things, including the monthly group Zoom hangout, they get a monthly one-on-one hangout with me, should they elect to choose it uh, each month. And then Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Kara Weston. Finally, the Plaid level supporters grandfathered in, and I'm happy to do so. Thank you so much for your continued support to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Thank you all very much for listening, for giving me, uh, what, by this time it must be about an hour and a half of your time if you've made it this far. That is a lot, so I do sincerely appreciate your time It is the one thing you cannot buy more of. There are only 24 hours of it in a day, so thank you very much for spending some time with me talking about Tesla, this thing that we all love. 
we're all enthusiastic about. It's so much fun for all of us. It's so much fun for me to do this podcast and to hang out with all of you for a snoozing. She's uh, Her head's hanging off the couch. She has sn- snoozing Daisy the Boxer. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning episode 377, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.